This is the World in Brief from the Economist. Our top stories: The gunman suspected of killing 10 people and injuring 10 others in Monterey Park on the eastern edge of Los Angeles was identified as 72-year-old Hu Kan Tran. The victims had gathered to celebrate the Chinese Lunar New Year in a ballroom dancing venue. The suspect later shot himself in a van after being surrounded by police. The motive for the attack is unknown. It was one of the deadliest mass shootings in California's modern history. Russia ordered Estonia's ambassador Margus Lydra to leave the country within a fortnight. The foreign ministry pinned the downgrade in relations on a quote unfriendly step to radically reduce the size of its own outpost in Tallinn. Meanwhile, diplomatic pressure to send Leopard tanks to Ukraine continued building on Germany, their maker. Poland said it would apply for permission to send its own stock. Spotify, the world's biggest audio streamer, will cut 6% of its global workforce or 600 jobs as the industry faces reduced advertising revenue amid a harsh economic downturn. It is the latest technology company to restructure after a pandemic-era hiring spree. More than 46,000 American tech workers have been shown the door so far this year, according to Crunchbase, a data provider. Pakistan suffered a nationwide blackout, leaving nearly 220 million people without electricity for the second time in three months. Like much of the country's infrastructure, the electricity grid needs an expensive upgrade. Pakistan's finances are already under pressure as the price of imported oil and gas, which the country relies on to generate most of its electricity, surged after Russia invaded Ukraine. Citadel, the hedge fund run by Ken Griffin, earned investors $16 billion on assets of $53 billion last year, an industry record. The last time a hedgie reported such juicy profits was in 2007, when John Paulson cleaned up betting against subprime mortgages. Citadel bucked a trend, even including its mammoth return. The top 20 funds made $22.4 billion in 2022, the lowest in six years, according to LCH Investments. Argentina and Brazil said they would begin preparatory work to develop a common South American currency. In a jointly written article, leaders of both countries said the currency, perhaps called the SUR, would reduce costs and external vulnerability. According to the Financial Times, the proposal will be discussed at a summit in Argentina this week. It would be the world's second biggest currency block. Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva, Brazil's new president, accused his predecessor Jair Bolsonaro of committing genocide against the Yanomamai people in the country's Amazon. He said Mr. Bolsonaro's government had allowed the Yanomamai's protected reservation, home to an estimated 30,000 tribespeople, to be plundered by gold miners, leading to widespread malnutrition and disease. A medical emergency has been declared. And fact of the day: four hundred and sixty-seven thousand. The number of working days British employers lost to strikes in November, the highest in over a decade. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Germany's agony about tanks. 
The next stop on Germany's Via della Rosa to arming Ukraine with tanks will be a meeting in Berlin on Tuesday between the new defense minister, Boris Pistorius, and the NATO secretary general, Jens Stoltenberg. Germany has refused thus far to send its Leopard tanks, deeming them, quote, offensive weapons that could lead to escalation with Russia. It has also not allowed other countries to donate their German-made Leopards. Flagellated by allies at home and abroad, the government of Olaf Scholz, Germany's chancellor, has started moving. Last week, his officials said sending leopards would depend on America supplying Abrams tanks. Then Mr. Pistorius said other countries could start training Ukrainian crews on the leopards pending deliberations in Germany. Now Annalena Baerbock, the foreign minister, says allies such as Poland could potentially send leopards. In the end, surely Mr. Scholz will release some tanks but not before wasting every opportunity for Germany to lead Europe. European v. American Inflation Predicting inflation is tricky. Many failed to foresee its heights last year, and just as many are surprised by its decline in recent months. The fall has largely been driven by energy prices coming down. On Tuesday, new composite PMI numbers will be published for both America and Europe. The business survey, which covers manufacturing and services, will provide some insight into the other factors driving inflation pressures on both sides of the Atlantic. Europe was harder hit by supply disruptions in the wake of the COVID pandemic, but did not see the same kind of spending boom financed by government stimulus checks as in America. But salaries increased quickly in America's flexible and tight labor market. In Europe, where wages are often decided in collective bargaining agreements, pay has been increasing more slowly. Europe's inflation race has longer to run. Microsoft and the Tech Downturn The fortunes of the world's biggest enterprise software firm may offer clues to the state of the tech industry overall. Since November 2021, Microsoft's shares have fallen by 27%. That is two percentage points fewer than the tech-heavy Nasdaq index, probably because Microsoft's customers are disproportionately businesses which have tended to cut back less than consumers have. Still, Microsoft's quarterly results on Tuesday may make for grim reading. Last week, the firm said it planned to lay off 10,000 people, about 5% of its global workforce. Analysts expect that year-on-year revenue growth will slow to around 2% in the last quarter of 2022, down from 11% in the previous one. A yet bigger worry is the slowing of Microsoft's cloud business, which accounts for two-fifths of sales. The relatively new cloud computing industry has never been through a sustained downturn, and so it is unclear how it might perform. Microsoft's results may provide a hint. A Trump probe in Georgia heats up. In Donald Trump's knot of legal challenges, one important thread is an inquiry into his attempt to overturn the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. A county-level prosecutor launched an investigation a month after Mr. Trump phoned a state official and asked him to, quote, find enough votes for him to win. The former president defended the phone call as, quote, perfect. A special grand jury has compelled uncooperative witnesses to testify, including Rudy Giuliani, Mr. Trump's former lawyer, and Lindsey Graham, a Republican senator. The investigation wrapped up in January. On Tuesday, a judge will hear arguments over whether the special grand jury's report should be made public. 
It could include recommendations for criminal charges such as solicitations of election fraud, though any indictments would come from a separate grand jury. Quote, the allegations are very serious, said the prosecutor, but as long as the report remains sealed, it will be hard to know the real risks Mr. Trump is facing. The Many Woes of El Salvador El Salvador's creditors are expecting a payback when $604 million of bonds mature on Tuesday. Concerns that the country might default were alleviated last year when the government secured a $450 million loan from the Central American Bank for Economic Integration and executed two bond buybacks. But investors' confidence in El Salvador remains low. The public debt-to-GDP ratio stands at over 80 percent. In September, Fitch, a ratings agency, downgraded the country's debt yet again. The uncertainty is thanks almost entirely to Nayib Bukele, the unconventional president. After making El Salvador the first country in the world in which Bitcoin is legal tender in September 2021, Mr. Bukele started to invest public money in the cryptocurrency. But the government's portfolio has lost almost half its value since then, a loss worth some $52 million. Some of his other policies are expensive, too. A crackdown on gangs has swelled the prison population, and the cost is not just financial. Many innocent people have been rounded up. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday, what name for a gentle breeze derives from that of a Greek god? Monday, the Blue Grotto is a feature of which resort island in the Bay of Naples? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Frederick the Great, who was born on this day in 1712. A crown is merely a hat that lets the rain in. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.